Lousy. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Fly Sweet Podcast, partnered with RaiderRamble.com. Head on over to RaiderRamble.com for all your Raider needs. On today's episode, Jose and I are going to be talking about Branson Buckner's firing, doing a little position review, and seeing a seeing a who we think or what position group we think has the most potential heading into 2020. But first things first, Jose, how are we doing today? It's fight night, baby. I'm trying to watch McGregor beat some wholesale ass. Now I don't know. I don't really. Have, I don't have a stake in the fight. As long as it's good, I don't care. Yeah. For full disclosure, we're recording this on uh, on Saturday, so we don't miss any of the the games tomorrow. But yeah, I mean, I'm not a big fight guy, but I do know, obviously, know Conor McGregor is so, and I'm Irish, so I got to root for my my bloodline. But I'm also <laughs> I'm also from the south, so a guy named Cowboy, like I don't know, I'm kind of torn. Flip coin, whichever side lands on it. Yeah, I guess so. Whatever. All right, but first things first, let's get into the Raider news. Um, bit of a shock. What was it? Monday or Tuesday this week? Brinston Buckner out as defensive line coach. Rod Marinelli in. I mean, I know. I, I think Jose. I think we feel a little bit differently about Buckner on this, but I mean, I just look at it, and I know a lot of other people are looking at it as the defensive line. We, we all know was god awful in 2018. Not where it needed to be, but got better this year. And it just comes seems like a weird move. I mean, not to say that Rod Marinelli is a bad coach or anything like that, but I'm curious, what, what are your thoughts? Oh, is that just clearly just a favoritism act? And it's obviously, you know, like this guy's a good coach and he's my friend. Like, yeah. I'm cool with you, somewhat of a friend, and you're a pretty good coach, but uh, nah, you, you, I got to let you go. It's, it's like that pretty much, you know, because yeah. – that familiarity, you always, obviously, you're gonna always want to hook up your friends, you know, just like in any type of like, just even in the job scenario or just like any any simple, simple thing we all can relate to. And if they're both the same, or if someone thinks they're even just slightly better, and you have a better relationship, you're always gonna choose that. So it was, it, it does seem a little bit unorthodox because we haven't seen that yeah. from this franchise, like, you know, especially in recent memory. But it is something that happens, pretty common. Pretty common on football teams. It's just it's just that we don't really see that because it's always just typically you know position coaches. Um, well, actually, that is a lie. We did see that with the Raiders in the offensive coordinator situation a few years ago oh, when true. they just went yeah. with Todd Downing instead of Bill Musgrave because Musgrave wanted to like push and pull a little bit more, and they just they just let Mike Tice just dictate everything. So that <laughs> that, that was favoritism right there. So which was horrible. Um, but in this case, yeah, Buckner. He did a fine job. I don't think he did a great job like everyone wants to tout him to be. I mean, he wasn't able to do much with Farrell, um, which, once again, I'm not going to I'm not gonna say that it's 100% on him at all because Farrell probably shouldn't have even been drafted by the Raiders. <laughs> should have been someone else better. Um, but, yeah, I just – I mean, for me, it was more like Jerry was out and let's see a year two because that's why I like to see position coaches. Let's, let's see from year one and year two. And I know that they had more more sacks this year. What, did they, like, double it up? They went from, like – Oh, more than 13, double. Yeah, thirteen like thirty one or something like that. Yeah, thirty two. I mean, yeah. That's, I mean, I mean, come on. That's that's like that's like standard. That's like for a standard pass rushing team. Like, all right, that's the standard. I mean, I'm not gonna give them credit just because they went from an historic worst. Because what what have what have what have I been harping up all off season? It can't get worse from here. <laughs> I mean, it just can't. You can't get worse from averaging less than a sack a game. So I mean, Buckner did a fine job. But if it was like a year one to year two, that's more how I wanted what how I would have wanted to do it. 
because that's how just really how you got to do with position coaches, which is why the same thing with Tom Cable, why it was like, hey, all eyes on him this year because now this is year two. Yeah. Now we can see, put the microscope on, okay, year one to year two. And look, he did a great, Tom Cable did a great job with that offensive line. Yeah, he did. Um, but yeah, Buckner for me was just more Jerry's out. He did a fine job. I don't think he did a great job, but you know, it, it is what it is. And now Marinelli's in there. But I think a little interesting tidbit is maybe the seeds are planted in case Gunther gets canned and they just elevate Marinelli at some point is what I'm seeing uh, on Twitter. Yeah, I mean, that seems to be kind of the hot rumor, or the thought behind it. And the thing that I don't get that doesn't 100% make sense about that aspect of it is, okay, say, you know, Rod Marinelli is kind of like what John Pagano was in, what was it, 2017? where uh, he was kind of that ominous cloud hanging over Ken Norton, if that's Rod Marinelli and Paul Gunther's relationship. I'm like, okay, well, let's say week seven, you know, it's not going well or whatever and during the regular season and you end up firing uh, firing Paul Gunther. Well, now you need a D-line coach. Like, that's yeah. the thing that I don't get is, like, if that's if that's the sentiment of, like, or the thought process behind it of, uh, you know, we're bringing this guy in to potentially be the defensive coordinator and take it over if things don't go well – well, why do you have to get rid of Buckner to do that? That's what I don't think. And that's, or that's what I don't get. And the thing that kind of worries me about it a little bit is kind of what you were saying, like, and granted, Rod Marinelli, don't mean to take anything away from him. He's a good coach. He's proved, he's got a proven track record. Um, but the thing that does worry me is like, is this Gruden just being, going back to that wild card John Gruden? Cause it feels like for, at least for me, every time I feel like we've tempered this, this hot headed guy, something else like this pops up and it's just, it, it wonders. It worries me that he's more bringing in his friends and making it like an old old boys club than really putting together like or keeping guys that are in the building that are good coaches. Because Buckner is a damn good coach. I mean, he's gonna he's a highly sought after in in NFL circles. So, and again, I mean, it's not like Marinelli's a bad coach. He's got had proven track record time and time after. But it's just it worries me that once again it's you know Gruden showing his kind of irrational decision making a little bit but i mean at least at the very least we at least got another good defensive line coach out of it so no yeah you're on point with that irrational decision making it's impatient because rather than just have breston buckner a younger coach in there to try to like grow and develop with this group now he wants to go with rod marinelli once again it is a familiarity aspect it's not uncommon for to, to for teams to do this but he could also be saying hey i, I want production now like, yeah. I acknowledge Buckner did a good job, but Marinelli, you know, he was with me for all those times, success years. He's already polished. I don't need to worry about him, and I can probably expect him to do this. I want to do this now, and that's the thing that he's <laughs> – that's the thing. John Gruden a little bit acts like a fan sometimes, man, the way he just <laughs> wants the product now. It's like, True. no, John, it doesn't work that way, which yeah. is why he never drafts – like, he never wants younger pieces on on his uh, offense. I mean, of course, yeah, there's Jacobs and Hunter Renfro, but I mean, come on, come on, man. Let's, <laughs> all those veterans he just loves to sign over and over again just for the two-year period. I mean, it's just the reality of the situation. He's just, he's not going to be able to, he's barely tapering off from how he was so irrational from when he first started, and that's probably because Mayock's there just a little bit, just a little bit to help him sober <laughs> up. But yeah. at the end of the day, it really is all on him, and he makes the shots. Mayock has no say. Mayock is the one that just scouts and, decides help on draft day and that's pretty much it you know he's not the one that's really you know having any power or say which some people still think he does but <laughs> no i mean gruden yeah you're right a little bit irrational just like hey you know i don't want i don't want to have to wait for all this development let's just go Mar marinelli and just 
see if it turns up the lights because I think he was on that Super Bowl staff when he was with the Bucks yeah, against the Raiders too. So. so it's just it's just all about that. He just wants the instant product to happen now. Yeah, and I mean, you don't get more of a veteran presence in the coaching staff than a soon-to-be 71-year-old. So Yeah. I mean, and that's the other thing I'm like thinking of it, you know, long-term. You know, I mean, granted, Buckner easily could have gotten a de-coordinator job somewhere else in a few years. But, I mean, how much longer is Rod Marinelli going to want to coach? The guy's going to be 71 in July. Like, most people work till they're 65 and then just live out their golden years. Like, this is a – I mean, I mean, not to say that it would happen, mm-hmm. but, you know, we could easily be sitting here next year and, hey, Rod Marinelli just wants to hang it up. I mean, it, but it is what it is at this point. Moving on, we're going to talk about – go through the offense uh, position by position, give out a few grades and whatnot. Um, first things first, let's start with the old quarterback. We'll start at the top. Uh, I think, uh, I'm going to give Carr a, I'm going to give him a C plus. I Mm. think, I think Carr does his job. I think he's an average to above average quarterback. I think you can do worse, but like a lot of Raider fans are getting frustrated with and a lot of things that, you know, or some of Carr's efficiencies are the unscripted plays and being able to make plays with his feet and extend it and not throw the ball away on third and fourth down. And I think that to me is where, you know, the lower grade than the car stands will want. Cause it's not an A, but you know, I, th- I feel like a C plus is a fair grade for what he was able to produce. Cause he did have some good moments, did have a, you know, at least a couple game winning drives this year, but overall I think there's still something to be desired. What about you? I think that's pro- that's is like the perfect on point grade right there a C plus because he's more times than not average who can have some above average moments or even games like he can even go up to as high as like B plus if he's really balling though he didn't have any B plus moments this year I mean maybe in the opener against the Broncos but never saw really that you know that dealing that car dealing guy that, uh, from that week one Monday night game the rest of the way I mean he just it was just more like game manager, and then moments, which is what a lot of these teams are actually doing. Um, But, I mean, with Carr, we saw, we know he can do it, but his is just sporadic and widely inconsistent. You know, it's just too many times he just doesn't show up on third down, and, you know, that's why all his brothers excuse, well, did you know his first read? (laughs) Like, okay, well, if it's first read is to go to the line of scrimmage when the sticks are like 12 yards, then that's a little bit of an issue. Yeah. I mean, wouldn't he want – that's not Mamba mentality that screeches out. So he's definitely is a C plus. He's not dead on average. He's a little bit there. Um, But, yeah, that's pretty much the perfect summarization of his season. And, I mean, I don't – it's, and like I said in previous episodes, he is who he is. He's not getting much better, and that's why we're, most of us are – well, most not most of us. There are some stands out there who <laughs> love Carr more than the Raiders. Yeah. But that's why most – some of us who, who don't who do not want Carr for the future are thinking of, you know, it's because he just he, – he's not going to get better. He's not going to get better. You know, I understand that we haven't had a quarterback. The Raiders have not had a quarterback legit since, since uh, Rich Gannon, but, I mean – that doesn't mean that you should just settle just because you found something that like twinkles here and there, you know, you know, let's upgrade the position in the future. But C plus is what it felt like. Uh, yeah. Had he maybe won a couple more games without Josh Jacobs, it would have been so crucial. But I mean, you know, that C plus sounds exactly where he's at. I mean, to to piggyback off your point of, you know, he's been better than any of the other Raiders quarterbacks. It kind of has the same lines of, you know, you're talking about comparing the sacks from this year to last year. Uh-huh. Like, like just because one thing was really, really bad 
doesn't make the other thing that much better than it really is because the, yeah, the exactly. past was really bad. And I mean, I like ultimately, I think both of us said it on this. I think Carr ends up being the starter week one um, in Vegas. I do think they, you know, I think they have to bring in somebody else that can at least compete, whether that's through the draft or free agency. I think they'd be a little bit negligent at this point not to, unless the plan is to try and go all out for somebody in the draft next year. But yeah, I mean, it, at the end of the day, it's like I, I think what you said is, you know, hits home is your your progressions as a player as typically in the NFL are in your rookie contract in those first four years, not year seven. Like he's not going to make yeah. this huge jump to potentially being like the a top three, top five quarterback. And I mean, at the end of the day, it's kind of a the age old question for the offseason. How much cap space do you want to allocate to a guy that's above average? Exactly. Yeah. All right, we'll go ahead and move on to running back. Obviously, the guy leading the way, Josh Jacobs. I mean, guy was phenomenal this year. Already the Pro Football Writers Rookie of the Year. Then you got Richard and uh, Washington, and then, of course, Ingold in the backfold if you're going to lump him in with the running backs. I mean, I, I, don't know. I don't know if you really need an explanation, but nay. I mean, Jacobs was probably the team MVP. Ingold, I thought, was a huge undrafted free agent signing. And I thought Richard and uh, uh, Washington actually had some good good moments as a, as backups this year. Yeah, I think I'm going to go – I think I'm going to be similar in terms of what they did. But I think I'm going to go a little bit 8-minus just because I wish we had saw more pass catching from those backs, True. especially Jacobs. Because what was all the hype about with fans and even Gruden's in a certain extent? Oh, pass catching back. And – how did he did Jacobs even go past like 15 catches this season total? That's a great. We should have looked up those stats. But I mean, <laughs> it's just I was really astounded that he was not utilized more just to get him out, you know, on a simple Texas route out of the backfield or what I was getting excited for having Richard and Jacobs out there at the same time and utilizing them both on pass catching routes. I mean, that way you could have cleared out the middle of the field. Those linebackers probably would have gave a little bit more chase depending on the coverage and then. It just, I don't, it's, it's not, it's not, it's not their own fault. Of course, yeah. they can't call the plays or do anything yeah. like that, but I'm just ta- talking in the sense of just reviewing, you know, their performance was, you're right. Phenomenal. It's fantastic. Now that they need to, it's all about consistency heading into next year. Um, and Jacobs was great. All the backup in Washington, Richard without Jacobs, they did fine as well. They were solid. Um, but that, that's that little hint. It's like, you know, they, they were, they were good, but if I want to put, go all the way in on a, then they needed to have had like more of an impact on offense. They impacted it greatly, but you know, maybe added more dynamic with the pass catching Then perhaps. then we're talking about maybe like one extra win because that's just more, that's like gives a bunch of plethora of plays just to destroy a defense. Yeah. I mean, so I got it up on uh, PFR here. Jacobs had 27 targets and 20 catches. So, wow. I mean, a little bit more than 15, but, I mean, like you were talking about, the way they, the way Gruden himself talked about Josh Jacobs as a receiver, you know, that's not enough. Obviously, you've got to got to worry about the tread on the tires and whatnot, but getting him involved more in the passing game is going to be huge. And I, I hear you on that part. I guess the guy when I was just looking at it, I'm putting more of that blame on Gruden than anything else, kind of like what you were saying. The one thing, though, I am a little worried about with this backfield is kind of what they're going to do moving forward. You got, I believe, Richard's a free agent and Washington's a free agent. I mean, what are, I mean, not to get too far ahead of there, but you think you bring both of them back or how, how are they, how do you think they're going to navigate that moving forward? 
Man, that's a that's a who knows situation, man. That's tough. It's like, are they gonna bring them both back? I mean, I feel like both of them can actually get like some serviceable contracts elsewhere, like a nice little two year, like five million dollar deal somewhere. Um, especially because they both have special team roles. Rashard, they both can are versatile pass catching backs, so I can see yeah. them in offensives like Kansas City, Chicago, Philadelphia. Um, those type of systems because yeah. they actually like their backs to come out the backfield and for and the catcher and catch the ball. And that's a, that's a little bit why I'm so against just, you know, running backs in the first round. Cause I mean, it's like if, if you had Jacobs impact in the passing game more, I understand treading the tire. It's going to wear him out more, but I'm, I'm not talking about throw it to him like 50 times a game or anything, but like, Giving them more involved, not only will it make the offense better, just in terms of the production, because it's going to make the defense, it's going to stress the defense out to spread things uh, more open. But because now it's not when he's in the backfield, it doesn't become too predictable that oh, it's either going to be play action or a straight up run. Yeah. Now you add that passing dynamic, and now you have to now you're stuck juggling, versus you're just holding two ball, you were holding two rocks in your hand, like, hmm, which one are they going to do? Now is the third one. Now you're stuck juggling. And when you start getting the defense guessing, <laughs> you're pretty much going to have a good win on pre-snap. And that's the thing that's just frustrating. Just get them more involved out there versus, you know, Rashard was out there. You knew, oh, it's, it's going to be a pass, and which <laughs> it pretty much always was. So, I mean, the predictability, and that's why it just annoys me with Gruden. And once again, it's not on the running backs. And, um... It's just, I mean, personally, they are probably going to have to sign one of them back. I don't see them burning another draft pick on running back, especially since every other position needs help outside of running back. But um, instead of just focusing on the running backs, uh, how about Ingle, though? Like you said, that was, yeah. he was, he was fantastic. I remember we were debating. So who do we think makes it? Keith Smith, or I think we had Chris on for that episode, too. Yeah. And um, he was leaning more King Smith just because of the Basakia connection. And I was just thinking, like, no, this, it's Ingle. Because if anything, if they're both the, if they're still the same blocker, which I thought Angle was better, it's a better contract, and Angle looks more better in the passing game, which he wasn't obviously heavily utilized, but he what there were there was like some play actions where he was like just yeah. jumped off on, which I think he even had a touchdown in one of the games, I think against the Lions or some team like that. But um, yeah, it's just it's just overall just great, eight minus overall for that running back group. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Angle, and Angle was just awesome. I mean, I think at one point in the year. He had like his his ten touches were either for first downs or touchdowns. Like that was exactly. literally every time he touched the ball, something good was happening. I mean, especially as an undrafted guy. I mean, outstanding outstanding year, but great year for the running backs. Hopefully, we can get uh, our next position up to that level, which is our wide receivers. Huh. I mean, you know, the one thing I think I can't agree with the. Our car stands are as this wide receiving core is was pretty rough this year. Maybe last year's was worse, but I don't. I mean, it's like comparing a piece of poop and comparing a piece of shit, and it's still <laughs> basically the same thing. Um, you know, Tyrell Williams was a guy that I think both of us loved a lot as a signing. Unfortunately, that injury I think really screwed him up and definitely definitely hampered him down the line, and doesn't look too good when you're making that much money and not producing. Um, and then, I mean, Hunter Renfro was the only other guy that was worth talking about. Everybody else, I mean, mm -hmm. the receiving core by the end of the year was completely different outside of those two guys. And, uh, I mean, I, I gotta go with, I gotta go D plus and that I honestly might think that's a little generous. So what do you think? Uh, yeah, not D plus, but D it's just, I mean, 
his receivers suck. <laughs> Outright yeah. suck. This is coming from a former receiver. Uh, <laughs> none of them excel at route running outside of Hunter Renfro. Not even Tyrell Williams. Tyrell Williams is not that great of a route runner. If it's not something that's going north or at an angle, he's yeah. unreliable. He's, he's not one he can't guy. he's pretty stiff. Um he's and that's that's the thing that confused me. I like the addition when they got Tyrell Williams, especially with Antonio Brown. Because at least like you needed that stretch, that vertical threat, and that's why they also brought in JJ Nelson at the time yeah. to have that added that added dynamic. I forgot JJ um, was on the team. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> and they actually I remember dude, when I was at training camp, they they were getting him heavily involved, and then he got injured, and then they just yeah. grew him once again. Like I'm not waiting for this shit. I'm cutting this guy. Yeah. So I mean, in that. It's just I don't understand why they don't try to get the focus, and that just shows me that Gruden is not just putting it for his system. He's not doing it for Carr, which is why it's like Carr is definitely expendable, not just because of his performance, but because Gruden's not even building an offense around him. He's building his offense, which is ideally wrong. Carr is more ideal for a spread offense, essentially, I think, where he has to like just you know, just hit his receivers and try to do it that way, like, like 2015, yeah. 2016, versus this one's more bulkier, old-school, run the ball, and just like try to like have pass it here and there, more West Coast type of style. Um, no, the other receivers excel at route running, and it's pretty bad. I mean, Keelan Dawes showed some signs, but he never got some. He never got like run Too or many so drops low, or no love. And yeah, when he did, he just dropped the ball. I mean. Uh, just Tyrell Williams, I'm not going to plague him too much on his production because that injury is just pretty much – if like I just said he couldn't cut for, for his, save his life. Imagine with this injury. Now he's definitely not doing any of that. Um, yeah. It's just – yeah, that that's group – there really is no mentioning anyone else. I mean that terrible trade for – what is it, Terrell Davis or what was his name? I don't uh, know. Trevor. All, Trevor Davis. Jesus, man. That guy, I don't want to – Take the take the trade commands away from Gruden. Another wasted draft pick. It reminded me of when he <laughs> traded for AJ McCarron last year. Just like, what was the point of that even? And now Zay well, he Jones, just cut his two backup quarterbacks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't. I. What? Well, anyways. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's just, and then Zay Jones, maybe more of a project. Uh, I don't. I, I'm I'm neutral on him. I didn't see much or see anything of him. Um, but yeah, it's a D if it wasn't for maybe Hunter Renfro, like exploding on the scene, the second half of the season, F. and then it's yeah, easy F. I mean, yeah. it's definitely, it, it, the thing is it, it went from 2018's F was a F for the receivers. This yeah. year's a D. So, I mean, we got better. It, no, they definitely got better. Cause <laughs> in that sense, but the, at the offenses of whole, which we're going to probably transition to for the offensive line, because they were pass protecting car. And there was an actual running game. So, I mean, at that point, it's just like, well, come on. At some point, you got to make some plays. But, yeah, solid D for that wide receiver core, man. Yeah. I mean, I the last few games for uh, of the season I, I did for the Raiders passing game for Pro Football Focus, and there were two things that stood out to me. One, and I'm not trying to make excuses for the guy, but the one was it looked like Tyrell Williams was just running hurt. Just looked like mm-hmm. he had those heavy feet, and it just – you could – I could, I felt like watching him, like, this is not the same guy I watched play for the Chargers. Nope. And the other was that Zay Jones is just a terrible route runner. Like, there's a reason <laughs> why Buffalo gave up their former second round pick for a fifth. And I mean, I, I watched that guy and was, my eyes were bleeding. So I don't, who knows what they'll do in the future. But yeah, that's, that's a group that's definitely going to be, uh, be, uh, 
addressed either in the draft or in free agency and maybe even both so both because yeah. literally man like like in the limited all 22s i've seen from this team no one's creating separation and when <laughs> they did it wasn't off of anything too cute they did outside of hunter renfro so it's just and that that's a that's a big thing you need good route runners the deep the deep threat receiver is a little overrated i mean Look at Will Fuller. He's he's yeah. such an overrated receiver to me just because he can run vertical downfield. The guy can't catch off consistently, but he just gets blown from the media and stuff like that. And just from some fans, oh, Will Fuller, just because he has one game out of eight, if he's healthy, where he goes for 100 yards. So, I mean, just just please find some polished route runners, someone who can catch, because then uh, that's going to make everything flow well. Yeah, who knows? Maybe uh, we'll get that C.D. Lamb. Or someone, or someone. anyone. We'll see. All right, let's move on to uh, offensive line. You know, I think if we're going to go as a position group, most improve, it's hands down the offensive line. You know, we talked yeah. about how bad the, the pass rush was, and the offensive line was just as bad. Obviously, throwing some money at it, and uh, Trent Brown certainly helps. And, I mean, the one guy that both of us, hand up, screwed up, uh, Richie Incognito, end up having a hell mm-hmm. of a year. Colton Miller was night and day different. And, I mean, Rodney Hudson just did his thing. I feel like the biggest question mark for me and the most disappointing i guess if you would say would be probably gabe jackson last couple of years been uh been banged up and i think for me if i'm gonna assign a grade I'm, I'm gonna go with a b with the offensive line i don't think they're quite as good as a lot of people like to make them out to be but i do think they had a pretty good year and i think they have a solid foundation with guy with young guys like trent brown who's i think gonna be 26 next year and locked up for a while and then of course colton miller um, Richie, hopefully he's got a couple more years in him. And then obviously locking down, locking down HUD. It's just the, the biggest question is going to be what to do at right guard. But I'm curious, what do you think about the O-line? I think I'm going to go honestly A- minus, just because, oh. I mean, I know I know some analytics, like especially with your PFF, won't have them touted so highly. Mm-hmm. But um, I think I'm mainly just going off because they were able to open so many lanes for Jacobs. Not all of them were so open. A lot of it was because yeah. Jacobs had the – insane vision um but it's more so just because what i saw from pass protection i mean because if pass protection is pretty much you know just hey let's come come beat me can you beat me um there's not really scheming a pass protection offensive line wise unless you're just gonna throw a running back to chip in or tight end but um they were they were pretty strong i mean it was pretty clear that trent brown was obviously the main anchor along with yep. rodney hudson and then boy how wrong were we on incognito <laughs> he was in shape and that was the one thing i thought he was gonna run out of gas like after five games of coming back but now nah, he came in there like a tank and just stayed that way the whole season and colton miller great protect great progression which you want i still wish we had derwin james <laughs> uh <laughs> yeah but uh no, great. He stepped it up immense, and credit to Tom Cable because everyone was cussing him out, and I was personally <laughs> my most concerned coach going into this season. And boy, is he! That, this is probably his best ever turnout he's ever gotten too. Because everything yeah, you probably. see, the highest he's ever gotten, I think his offensive line was like maybe eighteen. And I think I'm just pulling out of my ass, but. Yeah, I think Gabe Jackson was concerned. I, I kind of question if he wasn't even fully healthy when he came back, especially after seeing you know his team whooped on the bears and surging. So obviously he felt like, Hey, we can make a real run. Of course the team believed that. Um, but 
Jackson's been looking down for the last couple years, ever since, what, 2017? So yeah. who knows about that guy? But at least it's guard. You know, guard is a little yeah. bit of an overrated position. It's it's the more it's the most plug-and-play plug offensive line position. Definitely. And, um, but the but the but what matters most is the center and the tackles, especially the yeah. tackles. So Miller, great. Brown didn't rob the, for the Raiders of the money. <laughs> um, the only concerns is going forward is injury. How healthy is this guy going to be? Is he going to take care of his body in the offseason? That's going to be crucial because if he just comes back and doesn't look like he did, then uh, we're we, going to be revisited. Is he stealing money? You know, mm -hmm. what the great Rich Gannon said, these guys are stealing checks. But overall, like the pass protection was great, which is once again, another reason why I'm so hard in cars. Like he just had all that time, but instead he wants to dirt it on the ground. But yeah, you know, once again, it ties in with lack of separation, but we can go on for days, but offensive line, I was pretty impressed next year. Got to keep it that way, especially with the run game, since that's going to be their, sp their staple. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the early storyline to watch on the offensive line would be, um, you know, what about a week, maybe two ago? You know, Denzel Good got locked up for a few more mm -hmm. years. And I mean, Gabe's got contract, I think, gives has a little bit of flexibility into it. I don't have the dead cap number off my head. So that's certainly something to and talk Matt, about. You know, what? Yeah. It's kinda, you know what? Actually, I just remember we were talking about with John Feliciano. Now it's looking like, yeah. man, are you sure that they make the right decision letting him Good walk? Point. Yeah. Because he was, I mean, considering what he did for that team for all his years, like he playing hurt and filling in so many positions at a solid level, at a solid high level. It's like, well, shoot, we should have just rolled with him <laughs> instead of Gabe Jackson. I know Gabe Jackson has the money, so you had to stuck with him. But I mean, yeah, it's just like now it's kind of funny once you look at it. I mean, of course, hindsight's twenty twenty, but yeah. once the dust is settled and you now see it, it's like, well, oh, I'm not sure what they saw, but but it had to have been they just saw the contract and like, hey, we're, we're, we can't we can't start him over you, or maybe just instead of incognito, but that that ended up working out, but yeah, so far it doesn't look so well for Jackson. No, no. All right, we'll move on to tight end. I mean, this is another position like running back for me. It's an automatic A. Um, I mean, I, Darren Waller obviously was probably the MVP of the offense. Maybe Jacobs, you know, it's kind of a toss-up between those two. And then you have Foster Moreau coming out from the fifth round and having a hell of a year. I think he finished with, what, five or six touchdowns? A hell of a red mm -hmm. zone target. Fucking nasty, uh, nasty run blocker. And, I mean, Derek Carrier wasn't bad either. You know, now we're getting into the third guy on the depth chart. And, I mean, if we're even – if we're not complaining about the third guy in the depth chart, I feel like that's pretty damn good. So, I mean, for me, it's an easy A. Yeah, I think I'd go A around there as well because um, the fact that you had to go down to Derek Carrier is showing how reliant this team is off of tight ends. And Carrier was mainly obviously in there for blocking, mm -hmm. and he did a fine job. I can't speak too deeply about it, but uh, I just know when he was out there, everything looked to be fine or work better and go crashing down. But I think Foster Moreau was the craziest because he was he was predominantly just a blocking tight end in LSU. He wasn't yeah. really a receiver yeah. to go out there. And that guy, I mean, it's not like he's the he's the sharpest route runner or anything. But you don't really need to be too much as a tight end. That's more of like yeah. that's how you know you're a, pretty much a kind of a bit of a generational talent. You got the Travis Kelseys, the George Kittles, and such. Yeah. But with him, it's just he just has like the awareness and the sense of where to be doesn't drop the ball and he's hard to bring down he's just yeah. he's just a play well not a playmaker but a baller he's a baller yeah. and his blocking with that that once again why jacobs needs to get the ball in the passing game more so it becomes less predictable why Fossum Rowe needed to actually get uh, establish himself as a viable pass catcher 
And so that way, once again, set up a play action. Now yeah. we don't know. He's not. Hey, Foster Moreau's out there. It's a run. No, no, you don't know it's a run because yeah. he's no. he can Dale Morrell come out the backside and just gash the defense, which is Darren Waller. He's going to need to pick up on. And he did OK pass blocking. I feel like he was a little overrated. Some people try to say he was a great pass blocker or, or just blocker in general and shipping. I was like, hey, you know, he looked a little bit useless at times. So if he's able to get that, it's great. But he's an he's such an athletic freak. Darren Waller is. I mean, we know he kind of came out of the blue. I know some Raider fans were hyping him up ever since they hired him in that reserved contract, which I don't I don't think that was valid because <laughs> literally nothing on tape. Yeah. But I mean, you could just tell just by like the his body size, the athleticness, the strength, the speed. He he was gonna be a good one. Now he just needs to, like I said, just figure out how to get that blocking better, improve on the blocking, and just just try to i mean it's not too many receivers know how to but try to like somehow break bracketed or double coverage because obviously offense defenses were just scheming him out of games at that point once once it got the second half of the season they're like all right it's obvious darren waller's the best receiver yeah. let's just take him out and then just they just became hand-strung at that point so if he could try to figure out some way i mean it, it, that's that's some next next level stuff yeah. for a receiver type but I mean, so far that that tight end position, running back position, is obviously the top bunch right now. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think with Waller, you know, we do have to remember he is a converted wide receiver. So I mean, his run blocking is not going to be quite what we want it to be right away. But I think he did start to get better towards the end of the year at run blocking. Yeah. So I mean, there's there's a lot of hope to be shown. You know, I do agree with you. I think you know when a guy, when a tight end has those the big numbers that he has, the natural inclination is to say, oh, he's a good run blocker too. I don't. I think he's a little bit overrated by some people in, in his run blocking, but I mean he definitely showed some promise. Definitely showed some good signs uh, down the stretch. So definitely be something. And the other thing I thought of when you're talking about it is, you know, one of the problems with Foster Moreau in college was they kind of were running that archaic, you know, offense, that pro style offense that didn't really right. exploit his talent. I almost. I mean, I'm glad he's a Raider and whatnot. I almost kind of wish we could have seen what he could have done in LSU's offense this year yeah. with Joe Burrow and Joe Brady and spreading it out. You know, we saw Thaddeus Moss have a have a hell of a year, and he just declared supposed to be, I think, a, a third to a fifth round pick. So I mean, could be a could have been a hell of a year, but at the end of the day, he ended up being a Raider. So I guess everything happens for a reason, right? <laughs> yeah, it worked definitely worked out in their favor yeah. and. I think to me, out of every player that they drafted, he was the most shocking and probably the most value because didn't they get him in the fourth round? I mean, I know people want to want to go for Max Crosby. Great. To me, it's just Foster Moreau. I mean, that's yeah. just crazy. Like, because especially just a ton of offenses, man. Just look out. Just look out who. Just look at who's out there in terms of double sets and just how it's working. And then those two, Moreau and Waller, that that could be a good combination. That's going to be a lot of. If, if, but then again, it's on Gruden to figure out how he can use it to use yeah. a lot of counter trickery because there's a lot of potential there. It's on him yeah. now to be able to actually capitalize on what he has. Yeah, I'm hoping Gruden's uh, doing a lot of studying on what the Eagles were able to do with um, Godert and Ertz this last year. I think if you could pull a few plays out there, not to say that those two are on those guys' levels yet, but I feel like if you could start to find some schematic things that to take away from Doug Peterson and whatnot, he could uh, – definitely benefit from that in the in the offense i think we're missing one last person matt we're missing the head coach john gruden he is a part of the offense right and that play is true. caller we'll, we'll... so uh i think uh if we're gonna end with him well not technically end with him but we yeah he uh <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot and a little to be said 
So uh, I'll just keep it short and not sweet. He uh, he needs to step it up. It's yeah, I agree. There was a time there was there was a middle season portion where he was more than an opening drive genius. One thing was for certain all season opening drive genius. But the story of this the situation is once you get past the first quarter, he doesn't know what he's doing. As what's even worse, out of the second half, he really doesn't really do much other than maybe add a wrinkle. And it's so infuriating. I know so many I know remember we had Sean on, we talked about Paul Gunther, just like, yeah, we know he's not working with talent, but why is he not changing stuff? Well, why isn't yeah. Gruden changing stuff? Yeah. He's running the sure. same shit over and over again. And it's so mind-boggling that he doesn't see it and that probably ties into his rationalness and just maybe being stubborn like it's gonna work because i'm a genius and Mm -hmm. let's be real he does have an arrogance to him some coaches should have that it's fine but his is just a little bit to the point where it's like come on you have to be flexible and adapt i mean just look at who what coaches are left now in the playoffs right now you know yeah the enemy with reed cal shanahan lafleur and i mean the titans i mean but that's that's the difference. That, that that that's what the Raiders really want to be. Yeah, a, uh, like a bulldozing running team with not so much what Tannehill's doing, going under 100 passing yards, but with the passer who can show up in moments. So Gruden, I mean, it's just he needs to he needs to figure out. That's that's the number one thing. Utilize your talent better and the adjustments outside the first opening because it's not how you start the game or even start the season. Yeah. It's how you finish. Yeah. I mean, I think you hit the nail right on the head. And, you know, I think the biggest problem with Gruden is, yeah, first half's been great. I think, uh, I can't remember what the stat was, but it, it's a wide disparity in, you know, the offense production statistically in the first mm-hmm. half and in the second half. What is that? Adjustments. You know, the defense is making them and you're not making them on your end. And I mean, I think with that, I got to give Gruden a C. I mean, he's not making the adjustments like you said he's trying it almost feels like he's trying to fit a uh, square peg in a round hole with Carr and not you know using more spread concepts and trying to run this old uh, west coast offense with them so yeah I mean I I think I agree with you I I gotta go with an average coach you know I don't think he's uh, I don't think he's done enough for me in these last two years for me to really say this is the this is the Super Bowl coach that we knew in 2002 I mean Mm -hmm. obviously you know we got eight more years. So we got to kind of ride the wave <laughs> at this point, but yeah, I mean, definitely, definitely a little bit disappointed with Gruden in this year. And I mean, yeah, yeah, it's tough call for him, but I don't know. Did you, did you end up giving a grade? I, I can't remember. No, I was going to say, uh, yeah, pretty much the same. The C not much of an innovator and adapter. And that's the thing is you don't have to be so much of an innovator, you know? And then of course there's credit due for having success on opening drive. But that's pretty much a given. You have to score on your opening yeah. drive because you spent all that week. Those plays are scripted. But where you earn your where you earn your real bread while you get paid the million bucks is where you come in and adapt and just kill a team when you think you see a weakness. And yeah. he just kept doing what he wanted to do. So a C average. Yeah. And I mean, I think one quote from uh, Victor Four of the Athletic that really hit home with me. Um, it was later in the season where Gruden was talking about how he wants a quarterback to push the ball down the field. Mm-hmm. But he, and Vic's quote was, if that's what you want, then you should probably change your play calling. Cause you're not calling those plays either. It's not like you're necessarily, you're, you're kind of, you're known as this paper cuts death by paper cuts, you know, dink and dunk kind of offensive coordinator. And that's what you're showing. So at some point you got to look in the mirror, buddy and say, Hey, it's me. 
So that article was great. I I loved that. I was like, well, Gruden, you don't really call too much for him as well. And we, we've we've talked about it before about Carr. It's not it's not a hundred percent on him. No. No, we did talk about receivers and Gruden. I, if anything, I blame Gruden more than receivers because he's not he's he's not setting up his players in the right position, and that's the thing that's why he's just average. You know, he, he doesn't get worse than average because he did he does have a lot of good moments, but it just feels like the what he's he's just it's like when you have a rack of ribs, he's just leaving too much meat on the bone. <laughs> it's like he takes some bites yeah. and leaves it. That, that's not what you do. You need to get that bone clean, man. Don't leave anything else on it. So that's. That's pretty much how how it has to be viewed as going forward. Yeah. All right. We'll go ahead and uh, we'll move forward or wrap things up with our last topic of which position group position group we think uh, is going to have the most potential heading into 2020. I think you know I'm going to stray away from the obvious. I think the obvious right now is tight ends. I kind of want to. I I mean, like we were talking about before with Moreau and uh, Waller. I mean. Those two guys are both young, going to have a lot of potential. I think that's obvious at this point. The one group that I really like moving forward outside of the tight ends is the offensive line, what we were talking about. you know, mm-hmm. I said it before, Trent Young, even though he's a vet, he's still pretty young. He came into the league young and is young. Colton Miller looked a lot better. And then, of course, Hudson in the middle. Um, you know, Incognito, when we're thinking about the future, we're not thinking about too long in the future at 37. But, you know, as far as next year, year after goes, I think this O-line is is going towards that, you know, top 10, top five uh, status moving forward. Yeah, I think that's pretty much the only route you got to go is just tight end and or offensive line. Because, of course, running back looks fantastic with Josh Jacobs, especially on that rookie deal. There's he's the only one on roster. Yeah, <laughs> he's the only one. Cause I'm pretty sure Crowell one year deal is up yeah. as well. Um, there's there's no <laughs> it's just him. Yeah. Uh, offensive line. Yeah. I mean, going forward. I mean, I, I think I'm going to say tight end just because they are younger. Yeah. Um, offensive line. Incognito. How much longer is he going to go? Who knows if he's going to be able to hold that down next year again? Rodney Hudson. It's only a matter of time before he teeters down as well. Um, Colton Miller, you feel like you have to be the strongest that he's going to either st- still be a solid offensive tackle or take it up a notch. And then Trent Brown, he should be good. Um, it's 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 unda- it's undoubtedly going to be tight end because with Waller, because yeah. he should be getting better, nice and stronger, be an added blocker. And then Moreau, you know, and polish up a little bit more blocking and become a receiver threat. And then at the third point, it doesn't, doesn't really matter. It's more for just like wing tight or just yeah. goal special line situation. Si- special situations. Um, yeah, like that. So tight ends, it's pretty great. Been to been a while since tight ends look great because all you know, of course, there's always been you know just Jared Cook the last two years, and then before that, not not really much. Yeah. <laughs> there wasn't really anyone worth <laughs> mentioning. I mean, Clive Walford a bust. I mean, Michael Rivera was decent. Flashes. Uh, yeah, other than that, there wasn't anyone a good tight end since Zach Miller, which is a long time. That's my guy. <laughs> a long time. So tight end going forward is, is nice to see. So yeah. I mean, it's kind of a little bit revealing how we both said tight end offensive line, not quarterback. So that's not that's not good. <laughs> you don't see the quarterback your future because obvious reasons. You want your quarterback to be the brightest spot almost all the time, but yeah. right now he's not. Well, we'll see. Hopefully, uh, hopefully we get some competition and maybe we feel a little bit better about it this time next year. Joe Burrow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, by the way, did you see I put your plan into action this week? Which one? The oh, trading wait, for hey, Joe Burrow. Burrow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that was dope. I was like, yes, yes, go for it. Let's go. Yeah, it Especially would only... after seeing that game, man. Dude. Jesus. Oh, my. That, yeah. Literally, like, 
just watching the last two games or the college football playoff semifinal and final, like I, I literally like sat there. I'm like, yep, I've seen enough. This guy's a fucking stud. Like, I don't know yeah. how you watch those games and be like, eh, he's okay. Or I don't know how you don't like him unless you're just so delusional. But yeah, I could, I could go on. We could do a whole nother episode on Joe Burrow because I'm all about Joe Burrow right now. There's no point because he's not coming. It only, <laughs> the Bengals no. would be nuts. Hey, it would only take getting rid of Carr, Gabe Jackson, Colton Miller, and taking eight picks to go get him. All I'm saying. <laughs> Oh, that's it? That's I, it. I still think the Madden GM says no. <laughs> <laughs> no, no chance. By the way, anyone who thought I was serious in this in that article or thought that I actually think that, um, you know, I, I'm a little disappointed that you think that low, low of me. Uh, <laughs> but, oh, well, I digress. All right, Jose, where can the good people find you, man? At J. Sanchez SI. Get at me, people. All right, you can find me on Twitter at mholder95. Follow the pod if you're not already at Sweet Fly. Of course, give us those five star reviews wherever you get a chance. And other than that, until next week. Hey, loves it.